Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stagey Place, the podcast where I, Elliot, get to chat all things theatre with those who make it. From writers to directors, producers to stage managers, and on this episode, have we got somebody who covers so much of that? From the writing to the producing to the tour management, Linus Carp is a part of Awkward Productions alongside Joseph Martin. And this year, they are bringing Diana the untold and untrue story to the London's Pleasant Theatre from the 8th until the 19th of November before going on a UK tour around places such as Oxford, Bristol, Cambridge, Glasgow, Penzance, Paul, Belfast, Norwich and so, so many more. I am delighted to have Linus onto this episode after I saw How to Live a Jellicle Life at the Phoenix Arts Theatre earlier this year. I enjoyed the show so much and we talk about How to Live a Jellicle Life in this episode as well as what it's been like writing Diana the Untold and Untrue Musical in such a heightened royalist time that we are in currently plus with the new season of The Crown coming out which is very much putting a spotlight on Charles and Diana's relationship. So here is episode 62 of The Stagey Place with my interview with the wonderful Linus Karp. I hope you enjoy. Hello Linus and welcome to The Stagey Place. How are you doing today? Thank you so much, Elliot. Very good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. We were just talking before this and saying how excited I was to talk about this show because I saw Jellicle Life earlier in the year in January. And today, Linus, we're going to talk about your new upcoming show, Diana, The Untold and Untrue Story, which is heading to London from the 8th to the 19th of November at the Pleasance Theatre before going on an extensive UK tour to places such as Bristol, Birmingham, Glasgow, Penzance and many, many more. Linus, we're talking now in early October. How are preparations going so far for the production? Good. I feel like now it's just over a month away, so we're just about to start sort of the actual rehearsal process and bringing everything together. Like so far, it's been I'm making sure everything is as ready as possible, and like the, that the script is fair and ready. And I'm very happy and very excited. And I feel like everything's on good track. Yeah, yeah. You've got an amazing poster. I was, I was looking at the poster the other day that you released with all the tour dates and stuff. I love, <laughs> I love the poster, and I love the fact that you credit everybody who helped you with the poster. Beautiful piece of artwork, I must say. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I'm so yeah, I'm so pleased with how it turned out was so grateful as you said like to work with such incredible people like we have Dave Bird as the photographer he's been taking every photos or uh, post of images we've had for our previous shows as well I was a little bit worried beforehand because I wasn't sure if I would look as Diana as I wanted to I'm really happy with how it all came together and then yeah Wes who was our graphic designer put it together so nicely because I kept changing my mind about how I wanted it and then he had this idea to sort of take the inspiration from these sort of like 90s style t-shirts vibes with like multiple images on and I just thought that was really fun because I wanted to really show that it was a comedy as well because I think originally like our first sort of draft kind of looked almost a bit too serious and classy and I was like I don't want people to expect this to be the crowd you know so yeah I'm really happy with how it all came together. Yeah, I guess I guess if people haven't seen any of your previous productions, they probably wouldn't know what they're going into, especially with such a adult title saying the untold and untrue story of Diana. People might and not really understand if they've not seen any of your previous work. <laughs> no, absolutely. 
I'm not sure they would they do understand even if they have to go. I I still can't quite believe we're actually putting on this show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially as the Royals is such a such a big thing at the moment, obviously, and with the Crown coming back out in November, and that concentrates a lot of Diana and Charles. It will be very interesting. Salinas, before we talk more about Diana, I want to touch upon Awkward Productions, the company in which you set up alongside your partner Joseph Martin. Tell me a little bit about the company. Like, why did you set up Awkward Productions? And what makes your work different to other companies that work within the type of genre and shows that you produce? Yeah, that's a very good question. So I set up the company, basically, I'm an actor. And I'm from Sweden originally. I've been living in the UK for quite a while. And I could find it frustrating about how I was... I mean, I think many actors do, of course. Like, it's so rare that you're actually seen for the things you want to or given the opportunities you want to. And I feel like, especially as a foreign actor, you're only seen for sort of, like, weird, small foreign parts. And though, obviously, I'm happy to do those, I just feel like there's more to me than that. Yeah. And I want to do more. So originally, I just set up the company because there was this play called Awkward Conversations with Animals I Fuck, which I'd found and I thought was incredible and I was just so desperate to put on. So I didn't necessarily plan much further than that. Originally, I just like, I really want to do this show. I wanted to see if I can do a solo show and make this possible. And I did and I had a great time. And I think putting myself in the position of like someone who runs a theatre company and produces shows just made me realise that actually it is possible to do so much more and you don't necessarily have to wait for opportunities to come to you. Like you can create your own opportunities and get to play the parts and be involved in the projects that you feel really passionate about and you yeah. want to do. So that's really how it started. And then with Jellicle and now this, I've sort of taken on a, the role as a writer, which has been really exciting because I've always written a bit, but I, I feel like that was something I never really had confidence in doing but then once I started producing I was like I might as well try this too <laughs> yeah and that's just been really fun and I, I feel like I really want to create work that is queer and fun and joyous like, yeah, I, yeah I, I feel like more than anything I just want an audience to have fun and to be part of something that feels very live where we all experience it together and I want it to be queer and, and joyful yeah and like we were saying Linus before I did come and see your previous show How to Live a Jellicle Life Life Lessons from the 2019 hit movie musical Cats I saw it earlier this year at the Phoenix Arts and what I found when watching it through leaving the production right the way to this moment is the fan base that you have gathered and created people are walking around Jellicle merch whether it's the tote bags or the t-shirts and you just seem to have got a very big avid following when you started out making that show and then touring the work did you ever expect such a response from your audience as you have got no probably not it's hard to tell because obviously you want to be really ambitious and like I set out to make it as obviously as good as possible but I was also like creating how to live a Jellicle life because I'm a big fan of the film cats and obviously yeah. not many people are and I was very worried throughout. I was like, is this a show that only I will enjoy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I was very much making the kind of show that I wanted to see myself. Yeah. And I wasn't sure whether that would actually like resonate with other people. Because obviously the film Cats wasn't very popular. So I was like, will this show actually even have an audience? So it was so wonderful to see how well people responded to it. And that we sort of, I guess, took ownership of the word gentle. And I mean, I, you don't have to have seen Cats to to enjoy the show. I, no. I, like, I also wanted to create something that was just like a comedy show in its own right. But it's been amazing to have, yeah, have people being so so supportive of it, coming back multiple times sometimes, like buying merch. Like, it's always so amazing when people are like wearing like my stupid <laughs> drawing like on their clothes <laughs> and are positive about the show. Like I don't think I would have expected it to, to go down that way. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've still not seen the movie. Not because I refused to or, you know, I was busy during the time Cats was on in the cinema, but I've still never been able to catch it. So when I came to see your show, I'd seen clips on YouTube. I've seen the clips, but I haven't seen the whole thing, you know. So I came to see your show and I just found it, you know, an amazing encyclopedia, you know, character fact file of all the cats <laughs> in the movie. And I love, was it the Jason Derulo bit where we played the game about like, was it a rhyming game or something that we were playing? Oh, was that the Macavity bit where it was the Napoleon of what? Yes. Because um, obviously the Macavity being the Napoleon of crime. Oh yeah. And we were rhyming crime with different, with different words, right? Yeah. Thank you. But yeah. you really need to watch it, Elliot. It will change your life. I know, um. I know, I really do. And it's really funny as well, because obviously we talk about James Corden's performance in the movie and people talk about how much James Corden is always in movie musicals. I'm going to pull it out there for the listeners and to you, Linus. I really enjoy James Corden as, as a talk show host, right? I enjoy his talk show a lot and I watch all of the clips because I think he's an amazing talk show host. I do understand a little bit, though, about what people are saying about him in all the movie musicals. But then I came to see your show and I just couldn't stop laughing at how much we just skipped over all of his stuff. And I thought it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because no matter what, when you get to the James Corden bit, people have such an instant reaction of yeah. dislike towards him. And I mean, I obviously, like, as you say, he's a talented host. He's done good things. But I yeah. think part of it is that I think he's quite terrible at cat to start with. <laughs> and also what I don't like is that he's sort of like rejected and made fun of cats as soon as the tie turned. Because in all of the like, you know, in all the previews, he's talking about being so excited to be part of the project. Obviously, yeah. he was probably paid millions and millions for it. And then as soon as people started criticizing Cats, he just started making fun of it and ridiculing it. And it just feels a bit cheap. Like, where's your loyalty? I think that's part of, like, my problem with it. But it's funny to see, like, no matter where in the country you were, no matter what kind of audience you had, as soon as you show James Corden, people would almost instantly go like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's brilliant. And yeah, like I say, absolutely loves the production. Whilst you're doing Diana and after Diana, are you still looking to tour the show or is Diana kind of the thing that you're really trying to focus on for the time being? I love how to live a delicate life. I did it at the Fringe this year and it was like so amazing. It's like when it came to the end of the Fringe, I was like, I don't really want this to finish. So I'll definitely be more than happy to do it again. And I was like, maybe I'll bring it back, hopefully at some point, like maybe when there's like, an anniversary of cast the film or something like it's fifth yeah. anniversary or something but i don't have any specific plans at the moment because now i'm just focused on diana yeah. i mean we'll see if diana goes well maybe i'll do diana for a while but if diana flops then i'll jump, i might jump straight back onto jellico you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> but we are going to also jump straight back over to diana now and talk about this throughout the rest of the podcast right so coming back to Diana, the untold and untrue story, from the description of the show online, it sounds like a very multimedia heavy show with a little bit of mix of everything, from puppetry to dance and to drag. What I'd love to know, first of all, Linus, is what was the inspiration behind making this production? So it's quite funny. I didn't start it as a show even. My partner, Joseph, his mum turned 60 last year, and she's a big Diana fan. And we've had, like, for years, we've had this relationship where we've been like, sending Diana memes to each other or we always used to send her like weird Diana gifts as presents like yeah or we could try and we try and find like the most tacky ones like weird Diana wristwatches or even like a big bust Diana things like that to her a genuine love for Diana but also 
able to like really laugh about it. So when she turned 60 last year, I sort of had this idea that I was going to start writing a little Diana piece that we could all like read for her. So we did that, like all the family were together. We like gave everyone parts, I read it out. And that was really fun, but then I didn't really think about it for a while. But then as I was finishing the tour of Jellicle this year, I'd had this other show idea that I'd been working on a bit that I really wanted to do, but I was really struggling to get it going. So when the tour finished in the spring, I really wanted to do something next. I wasn't just coming along with the new ideas. I was like, what if I try something else? And I was looking at other ideas I'd had. And I looked at my Diana script and I thought, what if I turn this into a solo show? And as I started working on that, it was like the ideas came to me and just flowed quite nicely. It's like, okay, this is the thing I'm meant to be working on. And then as it happens, obviously, like with the new season of The Crown coming out, I mean, they open, oh, that it's released a day after the show opens. Obviously, that's perfect timing. And well, with Diana, I mean, with the musical and everything, Diana seems so relevant again i mean with the queen i was a very interesting timing obviously that wasn't something i planned so yeah i feel like it's 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 a very interesting time to be doing a, a diana show yeah i love what you were just saying there because it reminded me of when i was a child and i was in the living room and i was making up plays and stories for my family and i was just acting them out in the living room that basically sounds like what you did for the 60th birthday last year just handing out pieces of script Everyone's got their own little bit yeah. of dialogue, chopping in, chopping out, um, celebrating a milestone of a birthday. So for the production of Diana, then, that you are touring, what can audiences expect from the show? I think expect the unexpected. I think the main word in the title is the untrue story. So obviously we are looking at Diana and the important events and characters in the story, but we are really putting our own twist on it. It's a very exaggerated, almost like a comic book version of it. Very stupid, very queer and silly. I'm I'm very excited. I, th I think a lot of it, uh, as you say, there's quite a few different art forms being combined and it's also a lot of audience participation. So I right. think every show will definitely be quite unique as well. So I'm really excited. But I, I feel like it's a very ambitious solo show. It's also the, like the least solo show, solo show, because there'll be some other actors in in videos and there's voiceovers yeah and obviously the, with the audience as well i feel like if it plays out the way i hope i think it can be very special but I, right. yeah it's it's quite an ambitious undertaking are you going to be giving audiences a bit of scripts to uh, act out scenes with possibly yeah ah. <laughs> for certain parts that will the audience will have to step in which will be yeah which will be really fun i love live theater and i really want the live yeah aspect of it to be one of the main things because obviously yeah. like you want it to, to feel really different from watching a film for example yeah so I really want the audience to play a key part in the show and this show will be like very reliant on the audience so hopefully there'll be yeah. an audience there because otherwise it'll be tricky it is really exciting though because I think you know when you do it at the Pleasance or I know the Alma Theatre in Bristol quite well as well you've got the intimacy of the audience being right there in front of you so you can see their reactions and see how much that they want to participate so it is really exciting to have that audience right there in front of you like you say that live theatre where they're so close to touch you might as well get them up on stage and do participation with them just a quick question go back over to Jellicle life was there ever any show or any audience member that gave a reaction to any part of your show that is really stuck in your mind <laughs> I mean we toured it a lot this year and it was amazing and I think like every venue you went to was good but obviously the shows did vary and the audiences did vary somewhat and we did this show in Corsham which is like a small village near like Bath Bristol it's a really lo lovely venue I mean the show is very queer and sort of like very mean 
based kind of thing. So we had like quite an old and straight audience for, for compared to what we normally have. Yeah. And it was just very quiet. <laughs> oh, no. so that in the beginning, for example, where I go like, Korsham, are you ready? Normally people will then like cheer and clap, Ooh, whatever. Yeah. I, I, I shouted that at the audience and was just met with complete silence. <laughs> and I just started laughing. And like when I did my first sort of like more sexual joke, yeah, the, the audience went a bit like, oh, and I was like, oh, you have no idea what's coming. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, like in the end, people were still positive and it was still like nice. It was just like such a different vibe because yeah. normally we have like a young queer audience that will be like very on board with like all these things. Whereas this time you could play them like, I don't know, you'd, you'd show them the meme of Alexandra Burke or uh, Gemma Collins and they would just like not quite understand it or be aware of it, yeah. <laughs> which is quite fun. <laughs> <laughs> makes it more of a, a more memorable show almost yes like, no, i did. laughed more during that show than i had i think i ever had like i started i corpse because it just felt so surreal being there like in front of all the straight people who weren't necessarily enjoying the show as yeah. much yeah um, just someone made it like almost more fun yeah and i guess sometimes also like you say they could be more positive come the end of the performance and i guess some people may be really enjoying the performance but don't want to laugh or you know really interact because the other audience members probably aren't as much and they're probably a little bit shy or a little bit held back but like you say you still get those sort of positive comments after a show like that yeah absolutely and that's fair as well of course and I think even even though we're going to have a lot of audience interaction in Diana yeah it's going to be voluntary like we are gonna yeah. try and choose people beforehand and choose people who are up for it because I yeah. think as a performer when you've done it for a bit like you can so easily tell Obviously, sometimes you may get it wrong, but normally you can can tell who would be up for it. And even if you just not want to. Yeah. So, Linus, you are the performer of Diana, the untold and untrue story, but are also the artistic director and producer of Awkward Productions. And what I'd love to know is if you could give a piece of advice to theatre makers who may want to set up their own theatre company, what advice would that be? I think just do it because I think you don't have to wait for permission or... I feel like for so long when I was just a performer, I, w I always had so much respect for everyone else in the industry, like producers, directors, casting directors, writers. I always thought they had this almost like secret knowledge that I would never quite understand. I was yeah. waiting for them to give me permission to be in things. And that's not the case. I mean, obviously, many of the directors, producers, etc., are amazing, but they are also just human. You can do so much more when given the chance and when taken the chance. And if you just decide to do something, you can. Yeah, that's the main thing. Because... A lot of producing and stuff, you you just have to learn. There'll always be people you can ask for advice, etc. And hopefully if you're working with good venues, you can always get advice from them as well. The only way of actually doing it. And also as a performer, we are so often just out of work and waiting for the right roles or working on projects maybe that we don't feel that passionate about because we want to take the next step in our career or, or earn a bit of money or whatever. Yeah. And actually putting on our own work, even though it's, it's a lot of work, obviously with the producing and marketing and running a small company is an insane amount of work. But you can also then you can make sure that you're always working and that you're actually working on projects that matter to you. No, yeah, that is absolutely perfect piece of advice. Like you say, yeah, you don't have to wait. You're not waiting for, you know, audition to come through or a recall. You just get out there and you create the work and you also find the people that you want to work with. Like you're not waiting to be attached to people. You know the people that you want to work with. Like you say, you've got Dave to take all your photography for all your posts and stuff. You've got a nice pool of people to rely on and to work with and workshop stuff with. It's really, really exciting. So Linus, thank you so much today for coming on to talk about Diana and to talk about Jellicle Life. 
it's really exciting and I'm really excited to come and watch Diana the untold and untrue story later this year when you open up in London but Linus I've got one final question for you and it is the title of this podcast and that is the stagey place and what I love to know from my guests is where their stagey place is so Linus this could be the theatre in which you first experienced theatre and really enjoyed the performing aspect so it could be that local theatre that you grew up with it could be a theatre in which you visited on a tour of one of your previous productions or maybe it's the place that you feel most comfortable when creating your productions as an actor, as a producer, as a writer. Salinas Karp, whereabouts is your stagey place? I think I would like to mention two amazing, very special venues here in the UK. We have Lighthouse Pool, which is this great venue in pool. Great venue, such a nice place to come to. And they have been so amazing in terms of their support and time and everything that they've given to to like our company and our shows it's a really big venue so they have like a concert hall that seats like over a thousand people they have like an auditorium that seats i don't know how many but many hundreds they have yeah. a cinema they have like all these other spaces and they have this smaller studio theater which we've been playing in a couple of times and we will be there back we're playing in with diana as well so it's just like that a small site but every time we come the entire team there is just amazing like the managers come and see us the programmers come and see us they come and watch the show they have like a drink with us afterwards and chats and they've given us like so much in-kind support and time oh. and considering yeah. i'm always like amazed because they have this big venue with all these like massive things going on then our tiny show which obviously financially doesn't really do anything for them but they just seem still give us so much like time and care and i'm always blown away by everyone there sarah and tim and martin everyone there has just been so amazing to us and that's so nice and I love coming out of London and doing a lot of regional venues as well because obviously London is great but I feel like the vibe is often different more friendly and more special to go to I mean I grew up in a small place so I always like going to places that are outside of the capital that obviously don't necessarily have the same things on as the capital the other venue I'd really like to mention is the old fire station in Oxford which is an amazing venue and they have such a good ethos they do loads of like charity work as well especially with homeless people and I think the way they run their events the way they ticket their shows is you can choose to pay more or less depending on what your financial ability is basically like you can choose yourself how much you actually want to pay for tickets and I think that's a great thing of course because that just makes it more accessible we're going back there for our third time this year with Diana in November and they've been so so great to us as well every time we've been there same as in pool really like the entire team comes to meet us because we've toured a lot over the last few years and sometimes when you go to a venue you don't necessarily see any of the you know the programming or the artistic team and it's fair enough because obviously they have loads of shows on and they can't see yeah. every show necessarily yeah. that comes to them but when they do when a venue show you that care and they even if it's just coming over to introduce themselves and say hi that does make a real difference for a visiting company i feel and yeah. whenever we've been to old fire station in oxford the programming and artistic and marketing team and like basically there are a lot of the the office staff yeah. they come and they sit at the front and they laugh and support and then chat with us afterwards. And I just think that's so amazing. Like, it really feels that you have the support and, and love from the venue. And there's loads of other great venues as well, like Town and Gown in Cambridge or John Stock in Birmingham. And there's loads of great venues. And we're going back to many of them. This tour is basically like a lot of the venues I love and very excited to go back to. So I'm very excited. <laughs> that is so lovely. And I love what you were saying there about accessibility and the old fire station in Oxford doing like a pay what you can, pay what you choose type style of their ticketing. Like you say, working with homeless people as well, they clearly care a lot about the people that are around their community. And like you were saying there with the lighthouse in Paul also being 
a place where the programmers are coming to watch the show and everybody is actually coming to see you to make sure that you are welcomed in their venue. It is lovely when I get to hear venues that aren't based in London because there clearly is a big care for the work that they program because it may not be there for a long time you know they may not be producing houses where stuff is there for five six weeks in a row and they are just there for one or two nights and so that is really exciting that you get that care wherever you go to and also as a programmer as a producer you get to choose those venues to then go back on tour which is really exciting yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely so i did a big tour at the beginning of the year it went to 21 venues which was great but i was like that was maybe a bit too much because we yeah. Did, like three venues a week a lot of the time and we barely got to see the cities we were so much like back and forth whereas this time i'm like i'm going to do fewer venues and a few more nights in each venue if i can and really go to the venues that i love and that our show did well in so it's yeah i'm like i'm really excited i feel like this tour is like formed based on like our previous experiences and we're only going to the places that hopefully we'll, we'll really enjoy yeah well linus i'm really excited to come and see diana the untold and untrue story and i'm really excited for all these venues on your tour to see the production as well it sounds really exciting i cannot wait to come and see it i cannot wait to see the audience participation that's something that is so <laughs> unique about every show audience participation everyone's always got a story from a performance that they've seen of your productions because of the way that the audiences will react to it linus thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today i've loved having you on oh thank you Alice. it's been a pleasure and there we go that was my interview with linus Karp, the writer of diana the untold and untrue story and the producer the tall booker you've heard it in this episode he does so much for awkward productions alongside his partner joseph martin and i am so excited to come and watch the show when it runs at the pleasant theater later this year linus i'd love to thank you so much for coming on to the podcast I've wanted to have you on since I saw How to Live a Jellical Life earlier this year. And I'm so excited that I've finally been able to do this with your upcoming show. If you would like to follow Awkward Productions on social media, you can do. On Twitter and Instagram, they are at Awkward Prods. But you can also find that in our episode notes, wherever you are streaming this episode, where you can also follow The Stagey Place on Twitter and Instagram at The Stagey Place. So that's all for me this week. So until I hear from you next or you hear from me, I hope you're keeping safe and you have a stagey week. Goodbye.